2: Some days life feels perfect Other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in
3: Welcome, welcome ladies and gentlemen Kings and queens We have a great special premiere show tonight uh, we're going to be discussing Black Wall Street. Uh, we're going to pull in um, Brother Andre Curry coming out of um, California in a minute. I just want to give a few quick details about tonight's show. It's going to be a part one, which, of course, is tonight, um, a part two, which is, of course, tomorrow night. But first, I also want to make people aware that this is the Butterfly Evolution Show with Tammy Gator and also the Anthony and Fly Show with me, myself, Anthony D. Collins. Uh, What we're going to do, we're going to try to do a few things. It's most important to get the information out there because maybe if you do know the information, I can guarantee you it's a lot of people who do not know the information. So we want to make sure that Brother Andre has enough time to get the information out there. Um, So Tammy has a set of questions. Now we're going to accept questions and comments via um, inbox on Facebook. So if you're, if you're Tammy's friend, you can catch me, Anthony D. Collins, or you can catch Tammy, and then we'll make sure the questions get read or the comments get read. Now, if we get through a lot of the information that Brother Andre wants to share with us tonight, at that point we will accept some callers um, at that time. We don't want to get distracted, you know, from some different callers and things of that nature. So in the way we'll do that, I'll pull one call for my show, and Tammy will pull one call from her show or vice versa. We don't have any calls on either show. We just go with the first people that's in line. Um, This is something special I've done a few years ago as far as sharing information with um, two networks, airing at the same time. It can be done for other BTR hosts. If you need to know how, just inbox me and Tammy. We don't have any problem sharing that information with you. Uh, With that being said, I want to give Tammy uh, an opportunity to introduce herself, and then we'll bring Brother Andre right on. Tammy?
0: Okay, hi, you guys. This is Tammy from the Butterfly Evolution Radio Show, and I just want to thank you all for tuning in with us and, and be patient as we get through this process. As Anthony said, there's, there's just a lot of information that we want to get out. So get your pen, get your paper, uh, take notes so that tomorrow, if we have more time, then we can get those questions and your comments in as well. So I just want to just thank everybody for tuning in with us tonight and just, just get your paper and pen and get ready to, to learn.
3: Great, great. So with that, without that being said, on last thing, no commercials, no promoting anybody's work. We are pretty much, this is just a, a premiere show. We're going to feature Andre Curry and talk about this Black Wall Street um, event. So with that being said, we're going to introduce and, and bring in Brother Curry. Peace,
4: fellas. Peace. Peace.
3: All right, how you doing, brother? How you doing?
1: Um, wonderful, wonderful, glad to be on the show I appreciate you all opening up are ways to uh, get this information
3: out Oh yeah, absolutely Absolutely Well brother, what I want you to do first And then Tammy going to go right into her set of questions But I just want you to give a little background about yourself And then secondly Just simply explain what the Black Wall Street um, Event is all about Because a lot of people really don't know So just give them a simple explanation with that Okay
1: Okay um, Well, first, uh, I'm originally, I hail from the territory of uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, right now I'm out in the uh, San Francisco Territory uh, Bay Area. And right now I'm I'm doing a lot of lectures and speaking engagements engagements out here to the community, the kids. Um, That's pretty much who I am at this point and what I'm doing, just basically a, a person who is trying to, Uplift the community uh, with with this information and put it in the hands, especially of the baby, so that they can bring about uh, to fruition the dreams of uh, the ancestors, restoring our fact to you know our <clears throat> our our and so on and so forth. The one thing I want to do before we actually go into the information is is, is make sure that everyone knows that what we're dealing with. Is called Black Wall Street. That's not what the ancestors who went through this terrorist act or this Holocaust called it themselves. And that becomes important because we're dealing with labels um, that are being put on us that are not ours specifically. Um, and as mm-hmm. we get into the information, there will be a greater understanding of why that's important that we realize that we're talking about the territory of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and where our ancestors lived, and the holocaust that they went in or, excuse me, victimized, or were victimized with that was not foreign to us during that time, which we'll go into a little bit also. So this was one of the most prosperous uh, communities inside of, on, on the continent at that point. I think we, when we hear about it, we generally hear about uh, this area, and they say it was one of the most a prosperous black uh, neighborhood, but that's actually kind of minimizing the greatness of what was going on there. It was one of the most prosperous places in the con- on the continent uh, at that point and okay. in America. It was one of the most prosperous. So our ancestors were doing a lot of things that we can take and grab the time from them and learn from right now.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Tammy.
0: I have a question before we get started. What, what's the, the era, the time frame for, um, because, I'm, I mean, I'm very new to it myself, like Baby had not heard of it prior to uh, a conversation or, or actually a show that, and I can't think of his name, I wish I could, that did one on, on the Black Wall Street. So what's the time, like the year, um, I guess, from, first, from beginning to end, that it was up and going?
1: Uh, that's a great question. The, begin, the beginning date, um, I'm not sure of I, whether I can actually put a, a time stamp on that, and, and I, when we get into the information, you'll see why. But okay. the end date is actually um, the era that we call the quote-unquote civil rights era. That's when it actually came to an end. Okay. Okay. And that will be for those not heard, as we go
0: on. Okay. For those who have not heard about the Black Wall Street, so that as you go through it, is there anything you can kind of share, just like a just pre-share with them to help them understand? Some people here are saying Black Wall Street and really may not know what we're talking about.
1: Well, Black Wall Street was a name that was coined and given to the Tulsa, Oklahoma area that we inhabited in, in and during this time period that we're going to be covering, basically it's just not even a time period. It's actually a day uh, of 1921. May 31st to June 1st, 1921 is the day that we'll be dealing with tonight. But the area, uh, was a hugely prosperous area, um, based on the laws of segregation, our, our ancestors had to live amongst each other, and completely do for themselves. So there was no outside interference or help coming in based on the laws, and that put them in a situation where we were totally dependent upon each other. Um, And and so we had many businesses. We educated our own children. Uh, We had uh, our own banks, hospitals, churches, insurance companies, if you – tailors, bakeries, grocery stores. Uh, We had gardens, and I shouldn't say gardens. I mean, we had fields for growing food. So that's the background of it, and that's why it's called – but the reason they call it Wall Street is because of the prosperity that we're dealing with. It was a certain kind of prosperity that was only supposed to be known or, I I should say – I guess it's something that they would say that quote-unquote Anglo-Saxons are something that they are accustomed to. They, they term it in a way it's almost as like we're not accustomed to that type of prosperity. So they give it a special name to set it aside. But as we go into the discussion, mm-hmm. we'll actually see that there were many of these places around the globe.
3: <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. My brother, I, I mean, just a little simple research about ask if it's true or not, but they were so powerful at some point um, when we talk about this that weren't, wasn't they about to start trading internationally, kind of like what the New York Stock Exchange do today?
1: That's a great question. Um, there wouldn't have been what we call now, quote, unquote, stock exchange as, as we know it, because those things mm-hmm. were, it wouldn't have been, a quote-unquote stock exchange as we know it today, but what you're what you're inferring and referring to is international business. Am, am I uh, correct mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, they yes. were on the yes. way to 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 doing international business with all different types of countries because France was a, a country that was stepping up, um, and of course mm-hmm. we were going to do uh, business with our brothers and uh, sisters on on the continent of what, what we call Africa today. But you had a lot of countries actually stepping up to do business with them simply because a lot of countries feel guilt. A lot of Anglo-Saxon countries feel the guilt coming out of um, the times of slavery. So there was a lot of countries who wanted to be able to reach their hand out you know, and say, hey, we're willing to do business and, and correspond with you and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, they were on their way um, – to doing things, you know, in a way that the Honorable Messiah, Marcus Messiah Garvey had ascribed to us to do in the first place.
3: Right. Now, and quickly to add to that, is that one of the reasons? I know it's maybe something more, but is that one of the reasons that caused the bombing? And I know people are probably going to ask what they what they mean by the bombing, but I'm sure we're going to talk about that later. Because just from some of the things that I studied, it said that was one of the major readings reasons why the, the government and the um, police there tried to bomb that community because they, that would have put them on a whole nother level as far as power and money.
1: Well, I can't say yay or nay to that particular fact. What I can okay. say is that the prosperity that we were dealing with was something that was so, so great that it caused a lot of jealousy uh, from Anglo-Saxons mm-hmm. in the area. And okay. one of the things that what was interesting about the research when I started really getting into it is that a lot of the Anglo-Saxon women were extremely jealous of the way that our queens were being treated. Absolutely, no
3: doubt. Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm going, when when we start getting into the information, it's so interesting how that jealousy played out and the things that they did to spite our queens. And but that mm-hmm. was just to throw a little trinket out there. We were so prosperous that our banks in Tulsa were, lo, were, were loaning money to the Anglo Saxons who were trying to mm-hmm. get into the oil business or whose businesses were collapsing, their banks could not uh, afford to accommodate them. So they would come over into our area and actually borrow money mm-hmm. from, from our banks. I mean, this is how our absolutely. Were, were, we're getting down.
3: Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. Tammy?
0: I'm here. I, I want to hear how, how the Queens treated.
1: <laughs> oh my God!
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are need we gonna need a three hour show. We
3: know basically
1: from out. <laughs>
0: let's just make that a so we get back to that era. Because if we if we get there, everything will be back to back to normal, back to the right way. <laughs> let's hear it through the rest of the information and get to the real point here. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk about how we get things back in order. We, Andy, Indeed. Um, I guess if we could just go ahead and start, tell us about the people that lived in the area, and and I guess what areas did they come from? How did they come together? Okay. They called, and how did they come together, and where did they come from?
1: Well, we're going to walk, you know, do a little walk through history on that one to entertain that question, because
4: okay. mm-hmm.
1: what I found is that no one is really kind of getting into where these people came from. You know, when we, when mm-hmm. we hear people talking about Black Wall Street, as it's called, we just hear about this prosperous community, and, and it's almost spoke of like it just popped up, you know, like they just came out of nowhere and was just this great prosperous place. But that's just not the case. So
4: mm-hmm.
1: we're going to start the trek through history with the Trail of Tears, Okay. And that becomes important um, because with the Trail of Tears, with all that, that um, went on with that, you had a pushing of the so-called Indian. And before I move forward, let me, let me deal with the word Indian because as uh, Tendi knows, um, I, I'm very extreme when it comes to us speaking things correctly. And so our Mm -hmm. people, when we're doing these discussions, need to know what they're saying when they're saying it. So as a side note here, if anyone is writing, write down a couple of things about the word Indian so that we can understand when we say Indian what we're saying and actually what the misnomer is. So the word Indian was placed upon the people of Christopher Colon or who we call Christopher Columbus, got lost at sea and landed in uh, central Al-Araq, uh, or what we term today as America. He thought that he was in Hindustan. Modern day, we call that India. Because he thought he was there, and the people that he's seen look like what you, if you research um, the Dravidian. Uh, of India, you'll see a clear depiction of what the Dravidians looked like and still look like today and what the people on this continent look like. So because he, he's seen the same people, same customs, same way of life, he calls the people Indian because he thought he was in India Modernly, That becomes important as we get into a couple of other other notes about um, who these people were and that we say uh, were in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So when he got here, he, he seen that, and, and so remember, these people were called Indians that he sees. Now back to the Trail of Tears. When we get to the Trail of Tears, we see that coming out of the Georgia, Georgia territory, the Missouri territory, some of the Kansas Territory, some of the Florida Territories, um, and a few other territories on the continent, the so-called Indians were pushed into Tulsa. And this is going to take place around the early 1800s. And when you start looking into that, you'll see that there was many, many tribes, whether you have Cherokee, Pawnee, um, Choctaw, Chickasaw, Seminole, Wichita, uh, Wash- you know, Waschita, which is standing as Wichita, um, Muskogee Creek um, and so on and so forth, were all pushed in to the, ter- the ter- 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 excuse me, territory known as Oklahoma. Now, at this point, Oklahoma is considered sovereign what sovereign means is that it is not a part of the United States colonies it is its own country as we know it today it would be considered its own country it was not a part of the Union so every everyone and everything in Oklahoma was owned by the tribes there okay so then they had their own government constitution bylaws, so on and so forth, okay? Now, when the, once the people got there, you started having a lot of Anglo-Saxons coming in and invading and doing terrorist acts on the so-called Indians mm-hmm. because they realized that, the, that Oklahoma has some of the most fertile um, land on this continent. It has some of the richest oil reserves. And during this time, we're dealing with, you know, the Industrial um, Revolution and so on and so forth going on in this country. So you had Anglo-Saxons basically going all around trying to get land no matter how they had to get it, okay? And so because Oklahoma was sovereign, they could not get in there. So they began, again, to do terrorist acts on the so-called Indians in there. So around the 1860s, the government, the United States uh, government institutes what's called the Dow's Row. Now, what that Dow's Row was supposed to be a treaty that was given to the so-called Indians from the Anglo-Saxons that would relieve the so-called Indians of that land in exchange for other accommodations. Some of those accommodations included you had to give up your status as an Indian, okay? Now, that, is, that becomes very, very important. So once you sign up the Dow's Row you no longer was able to call yourself an Indian. You gave up your status as an Indian. One of the other traits was that you had to dress more uh, civilized, as they say it, which meant that you had to start dressing more like an Anglo-Saxon. You had to give up hunting as your way of life and get into husbandry, or what we today call farming. You had to send your children to schools where they would be educated by Anglo-Saxons. You had to learn the king's English. Um, and then one of the, the biggest atrocities of this whole Dallas Road thing is that you every man who was the head of a household was given 165 acres of land. Now, that 165 acres of land was then put into what's called a land trust. When it was put into that land trust, it was for 25 years. And after that 25 years, then you had to start paying taxes on the land. Now, what they did to disguise what was really going on is that they said, that oh, we're going to develop this 25-year trust so that no one swindles you out of your land until so we can basically educate you and your family for 25 years and then we'll come in and then if you want to sell. And then, you know, there was other laws that actually um, abridged that eventually. But that was one of the laws that was a part of the Dallas Row. One of the other, you know, atrocities with the Dallas Row is that once the so-called Indian was getting the land, you had a lot of Anglo Saxons who were jealous of the fact that the so-called Indians were giving this land, and so what they would do is that they would go to the, the county clerk or the recorder's office and ask to be a part of the Dow's Row. Of course, they weren't they weren't uh, the originals or aboriginals abor- of this continent. So the clerk, you know, let's just say, would say, "Well, you're not an Indian." So they would say, "Well, I'll give you five dollars." if you were writing me on the dial's Road, And then that became what we now call the $5 Indian, who really has no ties to this continent by ancestry, but bought into the official document that says that you do have ties. And so today mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of Anglo-Saxons running around, talking about I'm Indian, I'm Native, I'm, I'm, I was one of the first people here, my ancestors went through this, they went through that, and when you chase their genealogy, these people are from Europe, France, Scandinavia, um, so on and so forth. And it was because they, one of their ancestors was bought onto that. Okay, so. Um,
3: if you we, may, uh, go ahead, brother, go ahead.
1: Oh, well, we can, we can take a, a pause. What was you going to say there?
3: No, nah, no, nah, I just want to for people to be able to keep up if some are, 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 are not able to, just in case, can you give them, the reason why they did that, as far as the benefits that they was getting because of that, because you know I understand where you're going with it and why they was doing it. Tell them how important and how significant it is. What benefits did it give a, um, a, um, a European to say he was an Indian, and what benefits did he receive from the government be just by simply paying the five dollars?
1: Great question, because that that goes into two different things. So. Once the Albion or Anglo-Saxon was able to say that he's an Indian, he was actually able to get the same land and same land rights that the so-called Indian got. So he automatically got acreage, prime acreage, um, and it was, became inheritable through his family line. So once mm-hmm. you got it, if you're competent and you know how to... Um, Symbology, which is the art of writing contracts, you can contract that and, never, and, and contract that to your family as an inheritance, and your family never would have to get off of that land. So that becomes very mm-hmm. significant when we start looking at, you know, a lot of the corporations that we see today, because this is how a lot of them made their wealth, not so much all of them through the Dow's Row, but through uh, the free labor that came off of our ancestors' backs in certain cases. And so because of that, these families would inherit these things that they never uh, should have been privy to in the first place. And Absolutely. Mm-hmm. what it becomes interesting about, the most interesting thing w- when you look at the Dallas row was the fact that you no longer could say, uh, have, could say that you were Indian. And that becomes extremely important based on the Constitution, Because the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution says that, quote-unquote, Indians and all others three-fifths of a man are not taxable. So Mm -hmm. in law, you are what you say you are. So when you walk into the courtroom or anywhere and you say, I'm Italian, I'm black, Negro, colored, African-American, or whatever else, You say, I'm Chinese, I'm Japanese. You are that. Those brands, black, negro, colored, and African American, is what makes you taxable. So by the Indian, the so-called Indian, being willing to not call himself an Indian anymore, it automatically makes him taxable, which is also when you look at old census reports, while you'll see mulatto. And and, um, color or black, well, you won't see color, but you'll see black in the old censuses. Because those were terms, those were uh, brands that was placed upon us to make us taxable in a lot of cases because we were not able to be taxed based on the Constitution. And those things are still in law today if our people could wake up and stop calling themselves black, Negro, colored, and African-American you could put yourself back into a fold of nationhood if you just go back to respecting your ancient uh, mothers and forefathers. But as long as you keep mm-hmm. that slave brand, black, Negro, colored, Indian, African-American, then you become taxable by law because you are what you say you are.
3: Hmm. Absolutely. Um, Tammy, go ahead. we'll Go along to your questions. I got one, but go I ahead. Have
0: a, I have a question. I have a question about um, – Buying the property for the five dollars, and you might have went over this, but I'm a bit confused about what. I know, I know. It been, I heard the benefits it has to them as far as uh, the land and being able to uh, contract that to their families. What other? I guess I, I guess I'm confused about asking one set of people will give you this land, but you can no longer call yourself what you really are. But then allowing someone to come in with five dollars and buy into that, did, did that, does that mean that they now take on? Much of those things, much of the rights that those other people gave up.
1: Well, what happens is that when you go on the Dawes Road, the Dow's Road today mm-hmm. is used as the marker of who is a Native American. That's that's the marker that they use in a lot of cases is the Dow's Road. Now, understand that with that Dow's Row, when the United States forms an agreement or a treaty with the so-called people who call themselves Native Americans today, is based off of the Dow's Row a lot of times. So what happens is that they will say that if you're not on the Dow's Row, you're mm-hmm. not a native. And the reason that becomes important is because, remember, we see so-called Indian casinos and businesses popping up, and they're getting thousands mm-hmm. of acres of land because they're attached to this Dallas Road and so-called Indians. When the Albion or the Anglo-Saxon bought into that, he also bought into those, those rights. So that's why his family, you'll see a person like, uh, I think, is it Willie Nelson who owns a casino, um, right outside of San Diego, he's no more Indian mm-hmm. than, I'm, than I'm Portuguese. But his family possibly bought onto this Dow's role, and that gives him the contractual rights to those treaty and engagement that come together with the so-called Native Americans in the United States. Did I explain that? You understand the significance of why that was important from an inheritable standpoint?
0: Okay. Okay. I think so.
3: Okay. I want to – this is just basically based off my opinion and just from the research that I've found, but I want to talk about integration and segregation and um, the profound effect that it really had, you know, on our culture because I really feel – this is just my opinion again – that when the, um, the Black Wall Street, what we call it, was going on, we was okay. We was wealthy. We was owning businesses. We was keeping everything in-house. We was getting married. We was doing all the things that were seen to be within our, you know, true design. But then once, um, it be- once integration became came, uh, came a way of life um, through the bombing or just the, the law change or what, whatever, then um, that's when everything seemed to just get lost. We started losing land where land was stolen from us, and then unions rec- was created to prevent us from getting jobs because actually we had all the skills. So um, whether you agree or not with that, what do you feel about integration and segregation? Does that has a profound effect on us today or not?
2: Well, well,
1: it's interesting because this is a con- conversation that uh, me and my father have had some years ago, and every now and then... Um, we we've had it, and he, we were on opposite sides of the fence. Okay. Civil rights is one of the worst things that's ever happened to us. By Absolutely. Statistically, it is one of the worst things that's ever happened to us, and that's not even debatable when you just look at statistics.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're going to jump to the end of this of the Black Wall Street and and going to the end information here because of that question, but up until the so-called civil rights era, we owned millions of acres of land Mm -hmm. on this continent.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Based on laws Mm -hmm. of segregation, it put us in a situation where we had to be completely dependent on each other. So you have Mm -hmm. places like Tulsa, Oklahoma. You have uh, St. Louis, Missouri, Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina, um, and numerous other places um, that were extremely prosperous and rivaled any other place in this, um, in, on this continent. And I don't want to leave out, you know, my San Francisco area up here, but, it, but we had these pockets that were doing extremely well. One mm-hmm. of the biggest problems with our people is that we're always trying to sing kumbaya with everyone, and everyone's not trying to sing kumbaya with you. So you are willing to go and do business with everyone because we practice a certain type of humanity. But these same people are not aggratiating themselves to do business with you. You don't see that same type of humanity giving back, and this is our problem. See, we were willing to give up our, our grandmothers uh, cooking, and our neighbor down the street making our suits because we wanted to walk over here to Anglo-Saxon land and spend money over there. We were, it wasn't good enough that our children went to schools and were educated by people who looked just like them. We needed our children to be able to go be educated just like the quote-unquote white people. And this mm-hmm. was our mindset. So when that happened, we didn't understand that the Europeans have think tanks. And in those think tanks, they practice our ancient sciences. And I won't go into that. Yeah. But out of those think, think tanks, you get strategy. And so generally, they're always about five to ten steps ahead of us because of that. So while you're fighting for civil mm-hmm. rights, they're figuring out a way to take that fight and make it prosperous for them. So, cool, mm-hmm. we're going to let you come to our schools. We're going to let you go to our universities. We're going to let And when we do that, we're going to educate you and give you a fine European education and also what comes with that is a European mindset. Now, I'm not saying that going to college and, and getting your education is bad. Don't, you know, for the audience, don't misinterpret what I just said. What I said is that based on strategy, you know, we failed. And they Mm -hmm. had their strategy worked out. So when they let you integrate, all your business is closed down because you no longer spent and circulated your dollar in your community. You went over there to to everybody who did not look like you, who were forced to do business with you and made them wealthy and made your own people poor. Mm -hmm. That's just what
4: happened
1: and that's not based on opinion, that's just based on facts. We don't own anything worth noting uh, much today. We have a few businesses that we could throw out there. Oh, we have this trucking company, or we have this. We had over 20 million acres of land, and unless you can show Uh me that we have that, it's not debatable. Our high school dropout rate uh, for men is at almost about 53 to 55%. That, wasn't, that wouldn't have been okay in the 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s. We practiced a different, we had a different mind frame about our community. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you.
3: Okay. And real quick, I just got a quick comment in time. You can go with your next question because, like, when I did my research on it, I just simply did all of the ways to, to kind of further it, and I I went and asked my grandparents. I asked my grandparents, you know, how was it? Do you remember communities like this that was prospering like that? And it was funny because my grandma just pulled out the photo, the photo album, and she showed me photos of really how they was getting down. To me, they they was living a great life, you know. She showed me what they own, how they own it, what they did, how they did it. And then I asked her. I say, so, uh, Grandma, in your opinion, what's up with segregation and integrating? It was one of the worst things we ever did or one of the worst things we was forced to do. And that came out of my grandmother's mouth. So, I, I just kind of, and this is what I would encourage other people to do. If, if you're fortunate enough to have someone that was around and that asked them, you know, bring it up about Black Wall Street, was there any community that they can remember that would actually live in that way, and you will find that the answer is yes, because my grandmother showed me pictures, uh, she showed me, you know, the fancy cars, the, the everything, you know, the, you know, how they stayed together. She has so many stories. It actually made her day that I brought the conversation up because it was like she just got so jittery just thinking about those times. So that's what I encourage, you know, our listeners to do. Um, but go ahead, Tammy.
0: Um, I just want to piggyback on, before I ask the question, on what you're saying and think about where we are today and how separated we are. Um, in everything we do, and where has it gotten us? Where has it gotten our children, and where will our children be? Think about where we are now, and if we continue this way, what will our children have I And I can even say five to ten years. Forget about Uh, Where will they be? What will they have? So I just want to reiterate that as we continue to go through this so that people can see, stay on with us and and see the importance of this, and in in making sure that your children are around when you ask these questions, when you sit down and have these conversations. In fact, your children should be on on the call with you tonight, and then you go back and talk with Mm -hmm. them or get them in front of someone that can really answer some questions for them.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely, and then just a quick reminder um, for anybody who who has a question or has a comment, just inbox me or Tammy, and we'll copy and paste questions to each other and ask. We're not really trying to take any calls at this time. Please bear with us because the most important thing is the information. Although you may know the information, what I'm finding it's a great percentage of us that doesn't that don't know the information. So if it's a specific question that you do want answered. Just inbox us on Facebook, and we'll ask Brother Andre. So well, go ahead, Tammy, with your next question.
0: Um, I guess as far as the resources and things like that, how, how, how were they able to gather the resources and start the community?
1: Okay. Um, now let's go back and pick up where we left off, because that answers that question um, right there. So remember what I said that with the dials rope you was able to get at that point, if you were a male head of the household, it was about 165 acres. And then there was other breakdowns if you were a mother or if you wasn't a head of a household but you were a single man or so on and so forth. So remember, this is the 1860s all the way up to the 1890s as this was going on. So what you had... And I want to be real clear and real sharp with the words that I'm using because I want everyone who's listening to understand and be really clear about this point. When those so-called Indians signed the Dow's Row, they gave up their name Indian, Cherokee, Pawnee, so on and so forth. They became today what you call the blacks, the Negroes, and the colors. I'm going to say that again because we tend to say I'm mixed with something when you're not mixed with anything. You are the original, and we've got to get that vocabulary out. When the so-called Indian, Cherokee, Pawnee, Washita, um, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Signed to Dallas Road, they gave up being called Indians and became Blacks, Negroes, and Colours. They got those brands. The way that we accumulated, because Tulsa, Oklahoma, has sixty-five thousand acres of land total. That's four square miles, half the size of San Francisco. The way that was accumulated was in much of the part from that Dow's Row because you had a composite of these people who got that land once they signed the Dow's Row and stayed there and had to give up their normal, natural ways of life and adopted other ways of life and excelled at that. So what you have was from the 1880s and 90s all the way through the 20s, you had a building of infrastructure going on in Tulsa with these people who used to call themselves Choctaw, Wichita, Piney, Cherokee, Seminole, so on and so forth. Again, these people became black Negroes and colors. That's significant, and we have to understand that. So um, I may say that two or three more times because I don't, I, we have to stop saying I'm mixed. We have to start using, mm-hmm. you know, again, start using the correct terms, because that remember mm-hmm. once you said that you are not uh, Aboriginal, Hittacanist, or Indian, you became taxable. Mm-hmm. The land became taxable, and it really didn't make sense to give up land that you were sovereign uh, on, and then pay taxes on it twenty five years later when you had it free and clear before that. So prior okay, to I have a quick Dallas question Europe.
0: if you don't mind me jumping in here for a minute, just to make sure. Good. So you're saying that the, the, the people who were given the land, I'm just going to use people for now, given the land and had to give up, had to disown uh, their identity to get the yep. land. And then fast forward yep. 25 years later because now you're taxable and you do you probably, I'm, I'm guessing you may have said this, you owe something, taxes on this in 25 years, but if you don't have it, then the land goes somewhere. Is that right? That exactly.
1: exactly. You lose it.
0: Twenty-five years
1: later, if you can't start paying the taxes, you lose the land. You eventually lose the land.
3: Okay. Now at that years point.
1: Earlier, say anyone mm-hmm. more. Say that again, any?
3: No, I was just saying at, at at that point, right there, when they lose the land, what happens to the land? I'm just curious. That's just a question that came to my mind.
1: That goes back to it goes back to the state. It's the same thing that if you own a home today, okay, and you don't pay okay. your taxes. It gets auctioned out.
3: Right. Okay. Same process. Okay.
1: Right. And so that became significant that that's how we accumulated the land. We never went anywhere. You know, and and so we just had a a switching of identity. So you can look at some Mm -hmm. of the records and you'll see where when a lot of these treaties were signed, you'll see names like uh, one of the brothers or sisters' names may be Anho Ana Waiho Hui and he'll become Charles Williams. You have someone named okay. Dinagi Wai and he'll become James Travis. I mean and you can see it on the records. It was the most mm-hmm. that was the most fascinating thing that I think I was I couldn't help but chuckle because I'm like it it was interesting how systematic it was. And how we were so right. even back then, we were so far behind the eight ball with it because we mm-hmm. didn't understand because we didn't operate that way. If they operated right. in a way that was uh, deceitful. We didn't. Right. And so we didn't understand exactly. the slipping of the cards.
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Very interesting.
1: Um, I,
3: I got a question that just came up to me when we when we. Constantly say the word minority versus majority, and it's always been pitched to us, our community, our culture, um, that we're the minority. Uh, would you talk about that for a minute in, in reference to what it deals with when you think about the black Wall Street and how we never really was the minority to begin with, but we've been believed to think we are? Well,
1: the moment you said that, you know, I have to go to my dictionary so that we can be... Um, We can be in fact. And the, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, Looking, I'm in the Black's Law dictionary. It's not written by quote-unquote black people. Here it is. Um, It's just that's the name of the dictionary. So the word minority, now before I read that definition, I want to be clear to the audience that you have different languages that operate on this continent. The fact that you may not understand them is not relevant to whether they operate or not. It's just mm-hmm. like when you go to the doctor and the doctor starts speaking in their language, the, what you say is, say it to me in English, because you don't, you don't speak mm-hmm. that one. That's a whole different language. Well, law is written mm-hmm. based off of Latin. And mm-hmm. the words come out of what you call Moorish Latin, which now you call Spanish. Mm-hmm. But Mm -hmm. when you walk into a courtroom or you walk and you fill out certain papers, what you say you are, remember, that that becomes important. What you say is what you are. So the word Mm -hmm. minority in Black Law Dictionary, um, fourth edition says, the state or condition of a minor infancy. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Minority the state mm-hmm. or condition of a minor infancy. So we call ourselves a lot of things, and, and, mm-hmm. and that's why the law doesn't apply to us. When you look at the word minor or minority, it just simply means the state of infancy. And if you just rationalize your way through it, then you understand that when you are a minor, then you need adult permission to do a lot of things. That's mm-hmm. called wardship. That's a wardship status. Meaning, and this is where you see children are called wards of the state mm-hmm. because they are considered the mentality of a minor. So minority is not a race. It's a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's, a sta- it's a state of status and law. That's so a- when you say I'm a mm-hmm. minor, what you just, when you say I'm a minority, what you said is that I have the intellect of a child, and my capacity is that of a child. So they must treat you accordingly. So when you say that's what you are, they must treat you in that fashion. They have to by law. They must treat you as a a person who has the competency of a child. And so when we say that today in our communities, um, whether we're saying the word black, And if you're looking at the word black in the Law Dictionary, if you look in Black's Law Dictionary, third edition, it'll tell you the word black means fictitious, um, uh, not uh, unapparent, uh, fake, and civil intermortus. And the word civil intermortus means civilly dead or dead in the eyes of the law, which means law does not apply to you. Absolutely. And so those words become reality for you because that's what you said. So once our brothers in Tulsa started to take on those brands, they lost their sovereign status and began to have no recompense when things would happen to them because what we're about to discuss did not just happen there. It happened all over the globe. You had the massacre right, of St. Right. Louis. You had all types mm-hmm. of things that were going on. This riot that we're about to discuss was the biggest one, but by no means was it one of the, other, the only ones. The year period from eighteen, I mean from nineteen eighteen to nineteen twenty-one was one of the bloodiest time periods of, 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 with massacres happening to us. I mean, just almost on a daily basis, you get you you seen these riots, and uh, whether you were in the north where there was a lot of uh, riots, what you want to call race riots, they wasn't race riots; they were Anglo-Saxon afflicting terrorist acts upon our community, or whether you was down mm-hmm. south and dealt with the terrorist acts of lynching and hanging. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, mm-hmm. Either way,
1: you were dealing with it.
3: Right now. Um, I should have, maybe tomorrow I might have the name of this documentary, but I've seen this documentary where it's talking about down south and I think primarily Alabama, where I picked around the same time frame, but don't quote me on that. I have to go back to my notes and stuff. But it was kind of a time where, um, you know, um, blacks had a certain amount of land, acres, you know, a lot of land, but they started, they gave the blacks either option. They was like, either sell us the land or we don't take the land. And, of course, being, you know, who we are, you know, the strength and and physical strength that we had, a lot of us said, well, you know, we're going to have to try to take the land, and that's what they end up doing. So this documentary was put in place to try to trace back some of the ancestors and and some of the people of their family today to try to go back and give them an opportunity to repurchase the land at a very, very low fee. Um, but of course, it's hard to get, you know, get the paperwork, the deeds, and stuff like that. So I'm just kind of correlating what you're saying as far as this wasn't just going on in Oklahoma. This was kind of going on across the globe, at least within the United States anyway.
1: Right, and, that, and that's true. Uh, truth be told, we could all uh, go back and get this land, and I'm going to get into that uh, in a second Absolutely. hour. You know, when we're talking about. Um, you know why? What we can do to rebuild these structures, but those um, people don't need to purchase it for one dollar. Truthfully, all you need right. to ask for is, it, is the Alodial title, and they and, and no mm-hmm. go, no government can add, show you the Alodial title because the Moors are the only ones who can show Alodial titles. Well, we're the Moors, that, and if mm-hmm. there's any any break in receipts um, showing sales receipts transfers, if there's any break in those cannot, where you cannot show a proper sale of any land, then it reverts back to that owner. So if you have mm-hmm. a, a, a track of land that you think mo- would have been in your family and you mm-hmm. know that the Knights of Columbus or who you call the KKK came and uh, took that land by force, you don't have to pay for it. You go back to that same time period. You ask for the lotio title and you ask for a receipt. If there's no receipt, then it, it, it goes back to you. That's just that's law, but mm-hmm. we have to know that type of law. And most of us are going. Mm-hmm. Once you hire a lawyer, a lawyer is not going to do that because they have their. No, yeah, yeah. They, their allegiance is not to you. Their allegiance is to the mm-hmm. court first, and okay. the families of, of Europe families are wrong. Mm-hmm. That's their allegiance. Right. Their allegiance is not to, to you. So that's mm-hmm. part of the, the track we have to work with. But there are some, some different laws that I'm going to go over with, go over, excuse me, that deal with this very subject um, that are already in place that most of us don't even know about.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah. Um, man. All right, Tammy, go ahead with the next question, because my mind running right now. I'm going to have some more subtle questions in a minute. <laughs> go ahead with this, another next question.
0: Mine, mine, mine too. I mean, Indeed. It makes you go so, so much further, and you'll get off track if you don't, if you're not careful. I don't know if you would like to answer this question. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh,
3: quick, I'm sorry, Tammy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm apologize, but, cause I apologize, because I want to slow down just a second to make people aware of what, you know, what Brother um, Andre said and what I mentioned earlier about how we're going to show you. And, and I my research is myself that if you feel your family um, has owned a certain piece of land, and if you do the proper research and investigation, that you can get that land back. And that's really important for us to um, overstand or understand whatever you want to say, because that's significant on how we can build back our community, because it takes land. A lot of people get conceived and think that it takes money. It doesn't Money is an illusion. Money is an attitude. It takes land, land is something that never ever goes away. And you can give it to generations of generations. That's why you see so many other cultures buy that big big house with about twenty rooms, and that particular house stays in that family for centuries. so we have to overstand that part and i just want to, I just want to really point that out before we go home. well go ahead, Tammy I'm sorry
0: well, I was just going to say i don't know if, if uh, Andre wants to go into the the laws that are in place now. Uh, my next question was, was going to be on the, ri- the riots that took place. How, yeah, how
1: let's, did it let's begin? Do, yeah, let's deal with the riots first um, okay. because yes. that's going to bring us back home to that, that question anyway. Okay. So on May 31st, 1921, a young brother walks into an elevator in what we now know as Tulsa, Oklahoma. The story goes that as he walked into the elevator, he tripped. When he tripped, there was an Anglo-Saxon girl in the elevator who was working the elevator because at this time you had elevator attendance. When he tripped, he bumped into her, as the story goes, and she screamed rape. Now, what happened is that because she screamed rape, um, and remember at this, this point in time there was laws in place um, to, they would say protect Anglo-Saxons from our men, which was just a complete falsehood because it was truly the Anglo-Saxon woman who was always chasing our men. But that's another subject. I just want to be clear on that. That the law mm-hmm. they're going to say was to protect them from us. The truth is we, our men have always needed protection from, from them in that way. And the law came mm-hmm. about because they were the Anglo Saxon man was intimidated by the Moor, the Asiatic man, and his woman constantly chasing the Asiatic man. So they had to and they had to bring about codes, not laws. They had to bring about codes to enforce these things and some of those codes you hear would be called reckless eyeballing codes and so on and so forth where if you were caught looking at an Anglo-Saxon woman, um, then you would could be uh, imprisoned, and so on and so forth. So anyway, but so that was the significance of her screaming rape. So once that started, the the, uh, the Sharif come and, comes and takes the young brother to the jail. Word gets around by the Oak, the Tulsa. I forget the name of the uh, the paper. Um, but if you know it, Anthony and Sammy, I can throw it out there. But they they have an article, and and I actually finally found an article, and and I was trying to find it again, and I couldn't. But they had printed an article that said Negro rapes white women. And they printed this article the exact same day this happened. That article circulates around the communities that surround Tulsa that are all Anglo-Saxon. Uh-huh. The Anglo-Saxon men come together, surround the church. When they surround the church, excuse me, when they surround the jail, not the church, um, when, they, when they surround the jail, word gets into our community that one of our young brothers is being held there and there's an angry quote-unquote white mob outside asking for, for the sheriff to turn him over so that they can hang him. So our brothers go down there, and they tell the Sharif that, look, uh, we're not coming down here to start any trouble. We just want to help protect the jail because we want to make sure that our brother gets a fair trial. So what happens is when the brothers showed up, Anglo-Saxons seen uh, the number of uh, brothers that came, and so they all went to go get guns. They left, came back with guns. The sheriff tells um, Asiatics that came up there, look um, I don't need you, everything is good um, I'll make sure that he's okay Blase, blase, and the brothers like, no we're not leaving He finally convinced them, convinces them to leave They leave and then as they're going out they see that there's more and more Anglo-Saxons coming with their shotguns rifles and pistols So now a lot of the brothers in Tulsa were war veterans and so they, they were fully armed and had their own arsenals also. So they went home. They all got there, rounded up more Asiatic brothers, and, and went back up to the jail, all fully armed at this point. They marched up to the jail and told the sheriff, this time we're not leaving, until tomorrow when he would get his trial. So the sheriff is trying to uh, calm the crowd or, you know, whatever, and one of the brothers, they were, some of them were going outside, and they walked past an Anglo-Saxon with a rifle. And the Anglo-Saxon, as the story goes, says to the brother, what are you doing with that rifle, nigga, or nigger? And um, the brother says, I'm going to use it if I have to. That kicks off the riot. That incident mm-hmm. right there is what kicked off the whole riot that starts at that point. Now, is there wow. any questions or anything about that before we move on to some of the particulars of what was happening during this riot?
3: No, I don't have don't anything I'm... right now. Tammy, you have anything?
0: I don't. Okay. So
1: when this riot I shouldn't say when it's why, when, the, when these when this terrorist acts start. Mm-hmm. The brothers are war veterans, and it was, it was a huge intimidation for the Anglo-Saxons that the brothers were veterans because they knew that that these brothers would know war tactics, and you can read about that and so on and so forth in certain documents. But when people tell the story of the of – the, the massacre that happened down there. They usually tell it from the angle where the Asiatic community down there was just massacred and, and just, oh, all this stuff happened. But what they're leaving out is that right from the jump, the brothers was winning, fully winning this whole battle. They were fully armed mm-hmm. um, and was pushing the Anglo-Saxons out. And you had quite a few Anglo-Saxon casualties at this point, and 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 a lot less casualties on our side because we knew strategy and uh, we had been militarized mentally also. Mm-hmm. To to abridge that is what we need to study what happened because this becomes very important for modern day. What happened is that the Sharif at this point, because they were losing, he deputizes all Anglo-Saxon men, gives the Anglo-Saxon men uh, the power at this point to walk up to any Asiatic male or female and arrest them and get them off the streets. Why that was important is because you had a lot of brothers, this is all one day, so this is not like days. So so we have to Mm -hmm. stay on point that we're just talking about June 1st here. One day, just a matter of hours. So everything, everyone hadn't, you know, left and came back home. So you had people who would be coming back home traveling and getting arrested before they could join in the campaign to defend the community. And so these people were getting arrested. You had the sheriff uh, deputizing everyone. By deputizing them, he gave them authority to act within the codes or the laws at that time without repercussions later.
3: Right, absolutely.
1: And so what happens is that they actually opened up concentration camps in Tulsa to house the men. Uh When they took the brothers off the street, they put them in concentration camps. And you can find some pictures on there if you really do a lot of research online. You'll see that there will be Uh lines of, of brothers where they usher them into these concentration camps to hold them. This is where it gets interesting is because at this point what they do, once they get the men housed, there's there's this one story where they talk about the fact that one Anglo-Saxon went up to a tall hill and set right above our part of the Tulsa and just took a, a machine gun and just opened fire shooting down into the neighborhood, literally just opened fire into the streets of the neighborhood, into the houses. So you got him spraying bullets all around the city as far as, you know, he could anyway. I mean, just aimlessly, just shooting. Shooting anything, anyone, doesn't matter. And and also, right around this point, someone, and you get a lot of confusion around this story of how this happened, but there Mm -hmm. was military planes that had been converted to crop dusters. Hmm. They Someone, with authorization of the shari'f, took one of those planes and put uh, a carcinogenic in it, which just means something that could be could could blow up, some sort of bomb, some type, uh, and flew the plane over the neighborhood and dropped bombs into the neighborhood. So this becomes the only bombing inside the United States instituted by an agency inside the United States outside of the one that happened in Philly back in the 80s. Because we, people forget about that one, but the, the brothers of MOVE were bombed also. So, so we've got two, mm-hmm. Tulsa and Philly.
4: Okay. And, but yep.
1: Tulsa was the first one. And when they did that, they wiped out people for blocks uh, Mm -hmm. in the community. Once they had the men locked up and had shot up a lot of the people, what the Anglo-Saxon men did is they went back home and they got their women. They took their women Mm -hmm. down inside the community. When they took them down there, they allowed the women to go house to house, looting the homes taking our queens' jewelry, furs, our our women have marble in their homes. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. we were talking about a time where our women lacked nothing, and I'm not saying there wasn't disagreement, but what I'm saying is that our women were well taken care of to where they're supposed to be, and that jealousy showed its face during this ride because you had women who would go there, and there was one one, um, comment that was written in one of the write-ups where an Anglo-Saxon woman walks into the house of one of our queens after they had shouted up and she picks up uh, one of the jury boxes and finds his diamonds and gold and, is, and the quote says that she says, oh, these bitches are down here living better than us. That was the quote.
4: Mm-hmm. And that was what, mm-hmm.
1: that's how they looked at that. And right. so after that happened, you'll hear stories of how a lot of the brothers and sisters after that bombing had to flee. One of the um, brothers who was a survivor tells the story of how him and his sister and his mom was in a home, and all of a sudden they heard someone coming in, and they hid under the bed. And his mm-hmm. fingers was, was out a little bit. And when he, when an Anglo-Saxon came in, they came into his room and stepped on his fingers and he almost screamed, and his sister grabbed his mouth real quick so the sound wouldn't come out, and that was what saved their life.
4: Hmm. Wow!
1: Because they were going into the home killing anybody. You had one yeah. one story that was just horrible. I mean, it was it, it almost brought me to tears. Where one one sister was just newly had just newly gave birth, and I don't. I don't think the biblical cord was fully cut or something, and she had to take the baby and flee. Well, the baby couldn't survive, mm-hmm. so someone had to cut the biblical cord and leave the baby there on the ground.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, this was—we had—they say, well, it was only three hundred. There was thousands of people who were massacred on this. Right at, at this place, right. they're, they're going to. Right drop
3: the numbers so that we don't know but
1: the right. records and man we show mm-hmm.
3: thousands right yeah, it does yeah it does wow uh, Tammy just go ahead go ahead with the rest of the questions because we want like I said today we want to make sure we get as much information out and then I want you guys to just be mindful um, um, brother brother Andre and, and Tammy tomorrow like maybe the last 20 minute marks of the show tomorrow I want to talk about solutions I want to talk about what we need to do to try to uh, make a new Oklahoma across the globe, you know, and, and that's what I'm trying to preach and talk about as I do these traveling work- workshops and things of that nature. So I just want us to keep mindful about that. Uh, but, Tana, okay. go ahead with the, um, your next question.
0: Well, well, that's actually one of the ones, so we'll just kind of save that tomorrow. So uh, we want everybody, invite everybody okay. and encourage you to come back and, and, and talk with us, discuss, you know, pre- be prepared to – to uh, get in the chat. So follow us, either Anthony or myself, Butterfly Revolution or uh, Anthony B-Fly and B-Fly Radio Show. Follow us so that you can get in the chat line tomorrow and, and send us your questions, comments. So that's one of the questions, so we'll save that for tomorrow. I guess did, my next question is, did they ever rebuild the community? And if so, um, well, I guess when?
1: Well, what they did, uh, it took about 10 years, and they had the community uh, fully rebuilt, actually.
4: Wow.
1: And, um, again, as we discussed a little bit earlier, that community lasted up until uh, the Civil Rights era, literally. And um, But, yeah, they, they definitely um, rebuilt it shortly after, and um, it took 10 years. And um, it's prospered up until uh, around between 64 and 67. And then due to desegregation laws and um, us wanting to sing see, Kumbaya with everybody, it, it uh, went under.
0: Okay.
3: Wow. Wow. Well, Go ahead, Sammy. I don't have anything. You know, we got, we got 50 minutes. Oh.
0: Anything from the riots where, I mean, because, again... I don't remember ever if I did. I, I don't remember, but if, I don't remember hearing about this um, in school or even talked about. So, any what became of the bombing? Were there any reparations from the riots?
1: Well, here recently, um, some of the brothers and, and the sisters are survivors. Now, pay attention to how this goes because this this was interesting, and I'll and I'll tell you why after I tell the story of what they did. So some of the survivors, okay, uh, who again, these survivors would be about ninety. Mm-hmm. Eighty to ninety years old, seventy around there, you know, you could have been a child and twenty, you know, so you would be about seventy, eighty years old at this point. Or and some of them were given reparations, some of them were given Like nine people out of the twenty or nineteen or twenty that are currently living were given uh, about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Now, what I did when I was paying attention to that, um, they there was an episode of sixty minutes uh, that was aired. I forgot the year, but they talked about it, and in that they they interviewed a congressman for, for. TOSA or one of their senators or something like that. And he feels that they didn't deserve it, that they shouldn't get it. They, they, they should um, just get over it. Now, mm-hmm. for me studying law, I understood what he was saying. It had nothing to do, and this is where we have to study and not be so emotional, honestly. Because mm-hmm. what he was saying was that we can't give them reparations because it would set what would be considered a legal precedent, so we can't do it. Because if we give them reparations, where that precedent is set, is set it can be cited for all legal cases dealing with reparations. So you mm-hmm. can't give, you cannot give their descendants. Now pay attention. They gave people who were ninety years old one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but gave no one who was a anything. Because if you give a descendant the money, then it sets that legal precedent for all descendants of, the, of these Holocaust afflicted upon our people to come and get reparation and cite that legal case as the precedent to say that it's lawful. So you can't do that. So this is what their fight was really about: was was not setting a legal precedent.
3: Wow, Tammy, I'm, I'm just here. <laughs> I,
0: I, I, as I just told you, I feel like a, a kid <laughs> in a candy store, and and I don't really understand. I I don't understand why, but I, that makes sense. Um, which is why it's so. Important for us to know and talk to our children about who they are, where they came from, because so many of them feel like nothing because society, and we have as well, has allowed them to think you came straight from slavery. You were no, They were nobody then. The people that had you were nobody, you're nobody, and you will continue to be. So Mm -hmm. I I found Uh, an article uh, that, and maybe you can kind of give some note on this, because I'm sure the numbers have changed now, that um, Black Wall Street was was known as the mini Beverly Hills and that the dollar circulated 36 to 100 times, sometimes taking a year for the currency to leave the community. And now Mm -hmm. a dollar leaves the black community in 15 minutes, and that was in 2011, so I can't imagine what it is now. And that was again leaves the community within 15 minutes, and it took sometimes a year to leave the community back then.
1: No, those numbers. Um, you have can not kind of tell me Yeah, no better. Only, only, uh, only worse because again, um, we're stuck in a certain mind state, and that the resurrection of us out of that mind state is going to take. Us reorientate ourselves back to being ourselves. Right now, we suffer. We suffer, excuse me, from a form of Stockholm syndrome, where well, we have totally assimilated ourselves into the mental mind state of our customers. And so, until we reorientate ourselves away from that and get back to being who we are, then it can't happen, and that's why, you know, you you and Anthony become so important because you get the information out to change the vibration within the community. You know, um, we talk about, you know, reparations, and we talk about all these things, but it is a fact. One of the things that happens when we when we get into how can we rebuild this thing and why is it that we haven't been able to get reparations, well, there is no... Nation on this planet of black people. There's no nation on this planet of African Americans, Negroes, or colored people. That nation doesn't exist. Nations do business with nations. So what happens when you call yourself a slave brand, black, Negro, colored, African American, and Indian, and they're letting the Indian slide, so we'll keep that out. But when you do When you try to conduct business as a brand, then again, law doesn't apply to you. So in order for us to rebuild these structures, we have to go back to being ourselves ancestrally. We have to reclaim the heritage and the the names and get the brands off of us. For instance, you look at a name, and I'm going to use all of us, so that the audience can understand it. You look at a Tammy Gator, uh, an Anthony Collins, and an Andre Curry. Now, Curry is Irish. Collins, I'm not sure. My, you may know German, Dutch, whatever. Gator could be the same, whatever. None of us are our ancestors are Dutch, Irish, or any of those things. When you, in, when you do business in those names, it's void avaricia, void initio, which means it doesn't exist from the beginning. Those names was put upon us in slavery to signify property. So yeah. when our ancestors were forced out of our ancestral names, they were given these names to mm-hmm. signify whose plantation they was on and whose property they were.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And we continue to do business and take pride in these names. I mean, one of the craziest things that we hear is how you hear some of our brothers and sisters who aren't educated or indoctrinated, either, either size the fence that they're on, and they take pride in these Anglo-Saxon last names. These slave mm-hmm. brands, I'm a Smith, I'm a Jones, I'm a Johnson. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the strong black man without ever understanding what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Until you strip that off, and this is where, you know, as both of you know, that my actual uh, no or name or title is Ramiel Il-Bay. And mm-hmm. I don't even deal with the slave brand or have that slave brand. The only reason it's still on Facebook is because I haven't changed it because of, of mm-hmm. me having so many people I went to school with to deal with, with that given name. But I don't even deal with that given name in, in my actual uh, reality. My, my new mm-hmm. name is Ramiel Ilbay because I've had mm-hmm. to strip that away to put myself back into the fold of nationhood and declare myself an aboriginal, uh, autonomous person to this land. And put myself back into now the quick, fold of law.
3: Quick question, brother. For anybody who wants to, to do that as far as the name, well, how do they go about that? Well, changing the name.
1: There's a, there's the first thing you must do is study. And I'm going to give them the website. And the reason I start with that, and I know some people are looking for this quick information, I just want the paperwork. It doesn't work that way. We are under military occupation and you have to be able to defend your square. You have to be able to defend your honor and your ancestral honor, which means that you have to know the law. So the first thing I do Mm -hmm. is give you a study guide so that you can study. So that if someone comes to you and they stop you inside and you're traveling in your motor conveyance or what you'll call a car and they stop you and say, Do you have a driver's license? Well, when you come back and say, "I don't," what is that? I don't, I don't have that instrument because I don't need that instrument. You can defend your stance. If you go to court, you have to be able to defend your stance because they're going to say, "Well, who are you?" They'll say, "It's Andre Curry here." <clears throat> so I have to know what to say because they're going to keep trying to convince me to take on that brand. So I have to know how to say. Uh, for the record, on the record, let the record show that I, Ramiel Ilbay, I'm here in full life, pro se, dealing with the fictitious corporate entity, Andre Armand Curry, in special appearance. Oh. I have to know how to say that to put mm-hmm. it on the record as to who I really am. And if you can't do that, you tie yourself up. So the mm-hmm. website that you can study from and actually get the information to reclaim your estate or your inheritance as a more is R V is in Victor Bay, Bey Publication R is in Robert V is in Victor Bay, Bey Publication dot com. Hmm.
4: Hmm.
1: Everything on that website study. You can get in contact with the mm-hmm. brothers there um, on, on there, and all the information pertains to you and reclaiming our inheritance. Now, mm-hmm. why that becomes important is that there was a, a law that was signed, and this gets into the reparations and it becomes interesting because I know we've all had these conversations with, with our brothers and sisters and they talk about, well, we should get reparations and we should get this and we, we should, you know, get that. Why, ain't they, why haven't they paid us? But not many people know that there's actually already an international mm-hmm. law that says that you can get it. Mm-hmm. And it's on the books. But you have to be mm-hmm. yourself in order to get it because nations do mm-hmm. business with nations. So
4: mm-hmm.
1: once, you, once we go back to nationhood, which just means the same train of thought. We unite and Mm -hmm. form your communities. For instance, you're in the territory of Chicago. Mm -hmm. If you form a community of even two or three blocks of like-minded moors, all declared your your proper status and went back to being your proper selves, you can actually start what would be called a a sovereign nation. A sovereign nation has to have a constitution. Mm -hmm. So that would be the first thing that you guys would write. You get your constitution, and then you petition, you demand the the reparations, and the law that is in place is called the rights of indigenous people. It came through the United Nations. And for all of those people who don't understand, you know, may not understand politics, so they get into this Obama is against or for the community, Understand that Obama is the one who signed that in 2010 so that you can get your stuff back. And that's really the reason why they hate him, is because he signed that law. Bush wouldn't sign it. Clinton wouldn't sign it. Please say that one
0: more time. Could you please please, please (laughs) say that one more time?
1: You have a law called the Rights of Indigenous People. Rights of Indigenous People. It comes through the United Nations. It declares that any people who are aboriginal, heterogeneous, or natives to any land that is now under military occupation from foreigners stop calling Anglo-Saxons Americans. The only American is defined in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary as the copper-colored natives, get a penny, put it on you, that were found here by the Europeans. That's the definition of an American, the copper-colored natives found here by the Europeans. Obama, in 2010, signed that document. President Bush wouldn't sign it. Clinton wouldn't sign it. No Anglo-Saxon or European country would sign it because they're not heterogeneous or original anywhere on the planet. So everywhere they are, they are invaders and foreigners, so that by with this law, they would have to give a lot of the land that they stolen back, and he signed that. That's the reason why they hate him. This is the reason why he deals with so much of their wrath is because of that law. So when we are stuck in this, oh he's not foresting. Learn the law first because we keep expecting Obama and the rest of these people to lay down on the railroad tracks and, and and say, I'm black and I'm proud. But they're doing little things that you have to study and recognize for your freedom. But you have to be about your freedom as much as you expect them to be.
4: Mm-hmm. We have
1: to stop crying about what they're not doing for us and get up and do something for yourselves. Stop saying that you're trying to make tomorrow better for your children and actually do something that makes it better for your children. Don't complain about the schools, but then when I ask you, what is your your child learning at school, you don't even know. Don't complain about a flu shot, and then when I say, well, what what is in a flu shot that you gave your child, you don't even know what it is. Responsible Mm -hmm. people don't do that. Responsible people actually know what they're shooting in their children's arms. Responsible people actually know what their children learn on a day-to-day basis. We're not responsible right now because we've been trained not to be. But we have to do something about it and stop trying to blame someone else. Educate ourselves. You have the website. You have the radio shows. Do something.
4: hmm
0: um, this point. is Tammy. Are you Great going point. to give anything on the on the research or the laws, or do you all want to touch base on that our first part? But I know you mentioned about how to do the proper research and then the laws that are in place mm-hmm. now. Maybe that's what you were talking about a minute ago.
1: I can we can go in whatever direction because there's so much to talk about that, you know, the next thirty mm-hmm. minutes and two hours tomorrow is going to still leave a lot. So. You know, we have this time, we might as well take advantage of it So we can speak about some of the laws that are in place And how to actually, you know, dictate those And uh, bring these situations to fruition in reality
0: Okay um, Well, we have um, I don't know if you guys want to try to take a call or two um, If we've kind of covered every, everything here Because the last question we're going to take tomorrow, Bring it into tomorrow's show So do you all want yeah, to try okay, to take Okay,
4: yeah I'm fine why not? i Let's tell you it. what.
0: Let me just, uh, okay, I think maybe, okay, let me do this. Um, I'm going to just, for, like, I'm going to go out for just a second. Anthony, if you want to just kind of carry on, okay?
3: Okay. You want to screen the card? Okay, call? Okay, cool. Okay.
0: okay. What I'm going to do screen- is
3: just basically I'm going to take, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Um, brother Kerry, I want to just take this opportunity to just thank you for taking the time, really, to um, share this information and coming back tomorrow. A lot of times um, we take information like this for granted because I know that you um, diligently work hard as far as doing your research for yourself, but you also are willing to share it with others. So I appreciate you taking the time tonight to do that.
1: Hotel, brother, no problem. All we're doing is, oh, yeah, hotel, you bro. know, follower following the commandments, you know, trying to raise, following humanity, you know, getting getting ourselves yep. back to our proper selves. What else would I, could I oh, be doing yeah, I think it's that important? Right. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, this okay, is definitely I'm back really in. I
0: I'm back in, you guys. I'm glad, I, don't,
1: Tammy.
0: I couldn't get an answer from that person, so I was trying to pull in 713 with the last four of 9333. What you'll need to do now is okay. like the number one to to pull yourself out of queue and then select it again so that I'll know that you're back on. Just trying to monitor the calls for this type of show because sometimes we get, you know, get those people that we don't want on the show.
3: Right, right. Well, okay, if we have no other calls, we can just go into some of the laws then to kind of close out the show.
1: Okay. Um, Sounds good to me. You have several different um, laws on the books, but... The most important one is going to deal with, uh, and I'll read it. It's Article Six of the Constitution, and why that becomes important is because the Constitution uh, is going to set the standard for for everything that w- you know we're talking about. Let me see if I can go to it in here. Okay, it says, let's see. Uh, Okay. Article six of the Constitution deals with all the different treaties that are, have taken place and the debts that are, um, are within the, the government and how they uh, how they are going to deal with with us. And so we have several treaties that we signed. One of the reasons that we don't find ourselves in history is because they change the words. Again, remember as we showed earlier, is that the word Indian comes from the appearance of the people of Hindustan, or what you call India, which is the Dravidians, which were the first inhabitants of Hindustan. The word Indian and India comes from the word indigo, which deals with the blackberry tree, connotatively using the word black.
3: Okay,
4: mm-hmm.
1: now when you look at the Constitution you, and, and you go back to the treaties, you see that there was a treaty called the Treaty of Peace and Friendship that came about in, in uh, 1200. And that treaty was when we, the Moors, on this continent, were the first to acknowledge the Anglo-Saxon as independent from Great Britain. Mm-hmm. We signed that Treaty of Peace and Friendship that gave them permission to set up a sovereign government on this continent. And then after a certain amount of time, they actually were supposed to be start paying us taxes and tribute to stay here. Now, I don't know if the audience got that, so I'm going to repeat that one more time. We signed the <laughs> treaty with them called the Treaty of Peace and Friendship that recognize them as sovereign as a sovereign government on this land. We allow them to use part of our land to set up their government and be independent from Great Britain. Hmm. As a part of that treaty, after a certain amount of time, and I don't want to say the years because I, I could be misspeaking, um, and I don't hmm. want to do that. But after a certain amount of time, they was actually supposed to start paying taxes to us. So instead of us paying taxes right now, you should be giving a check in the mail based on the Treaty of Peace and Friendship. Mm -hmm. And the Constitution Mm -hmm. is actually what tells you that. So I'll read it. Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution, it says... This Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. So in that verse, it tells you that any treaty that is signed or was signed is the supreme law of the land.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And because of that, when you go and you look up the treaties that were, were imposed uh, upon us on this continent, the, the Choctaw, Piney, Washington, Seminole, uh, so on and so forth, Those treaties are still binding based on the Constitution. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of brothers are going to say, well, that's their law, blah, blah, blah. That's not their law. You taught them law. You Mm brought the European out of the Dark Ages. They just don't teach you. You taught them math, science, geometry, cosmology, Mm -hmm. astrology, all of that. All Mm -hmm. of those sciences, you taught them law when you get into the, the, even the Constitution that we're reading out of, the Constitution comes from what's called the great law of peace
4: mm-hmm.
1: that lasted over 200 years on this continent prior to the European. This was a treaty that we had amongst all of our tribes to stop us from fighting each other, and it lasted for 200 years. When the Absolutely. Anglo-Saxon could not write his own laws because they kept falling apart. He summoned us to come in and help. This is why when you see Mm -hmm. pictures of the signing of the Constitution, you always see a so-called Indian in the background laying low, chilling. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. no one ever questions who that person is. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even
1: and to get back to how how things went for the women, truth be told, we're matriarchal. This patriarchal mindset comes out of us following idol, false idol
2: gods of Europe.
1: The
3: oh, oh man! Court, I don't need to give you know me style on that one.
2: <laughs> the Supreme Court is hotel, brother. Today,
3: go
1: ahead. Yeah, I mean, I already know you know,
2: but the Supreme, right, go court, ahead,
1: the Supreme court that we know of today comes from our great circle of women so in our ancient mm-hmm. societies, mm-hmm. the people who settled all matters in the community for the nation was the women before you went to mm-hmm. war you had to get mm-hmm. her permission to go to war why mm-hmm. why would you do that mm-hmm. it's her sons going why would who you not get her permission me? to go send her sons to war Mm -hmm. So when you And and it's interesting because They show this in the movie And I think on on, um, Tammy's show we talked about this before The movie Avatar If you go back And you watch that scene And I remember I almost fell out of my chair When I was watching it And uh, it happened The warrior king The father Came out and was talking but if you go back and you watch the movie, they was talking about not wanting this, the Anglo-Saxon in and blah, blah, blah. But when the queen walked out, they all fell to a hush. And the decision went mm-hmm. to her. And even her husband mm-hmm. bowed down
4: mm-hmm. and was quiet.
1: Because, mm-hmm. like I, and I just did a lecture, uh, a seminar, uh, last weekend. And, like, I told them when you want to hear the prophecies from God, call your mother, call your daughter, Mm -hmm. call your sister, because that is the person who is the closest principle of creation on this planet. Period. And, And they showed it in that movie. Again, this is about getting back to us being ourselves. And every nation on this planet knows who we are besides us. Yep. This is why they don't, when, when, so I don't get too far, of course. You know, I'm going to a you with this one, you know.
4: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> go ahead, bro. <laughs> when we start getting into these laws, the laws are set up for nation. You can't do business in the name of property. Mm-hmm. And we, we keep doing that. Until you are willing to say I'm not your property anymore, and go back to being yourself, you will never get anything that the, the law says you have coming. You may get little trinkets, but you won't get the full thing. At any time, any time someone comes singularly, who has the knowledge and tries to get it, usually those people are taken out. You look at El Haj Malik or who people commonly call Malcolm X. His his national name was Il, El-Hazmalik Shabazz because he nationalized.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason he was taken out is because he was going and to the United Nations and bringing charges upon the U.S. for genocide. Genocide is, is not mm-hmm. in the jurisdiction of the courts here. That's an international matter because there's international laws to deal with genocide. Our brother Johnny Cochran was doing the exact same thing when they infested him with cancer. Anybody who knows mm-hmm. Johnny Cochran will tell you that Johnny Cochran used to jog about 5 or 10 miles a day. Yep, yep, All yep. of a sudden he turns over with cancer. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Even, even Martin Luther King, who was a 33rd degree nation, when he kept saying I had been to the mountaintop, is because he had seen the degrees. The, he had seen the truth of what was happening to his people. Mm-hmm. And that's why he said, I've been to, to the mountaintop. I may not get there with you because he knew that once you start revealing these Masonic secrets, then mm-hmm. they were going to take him out. That's why even if you look mm-hmm. at some of his last videos, you see that him and Malcolm were bridging that gap. And even Martin said that I was rethinking his position and said that I don't know if it's wise for me to keep trying to get my people accepted into a burning house. Yep. Mm.
3: Yep. Wow. They was about to unite. A lot of people don't even realize that Martin and Knox was about to unite, brother. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yep.
3: They don't realize that. They always tried to keep them as enemies, but they Mm -hmm. were coming closer and closer together, and and that's why they had to go, because as that happened, we probably would not be in the state that we are today. So there's a lot of people need to, you know...
1: No that.
0: Right. Absolutely. Would not be. You guys, do we have a time for a quick call? We do have another caller in. Yeah, we got a yeah. quick call.
1: Yeah, So
3: we pretty much That's wrap another as call as today session. Okay.
0: Yeah. What we'll do, and I'm going to pull you in um, from the 508 area code, Last 44576. Holly, you're on the air with us? Hello? Hi, Bill. Hi how are you?
2: Fine. Well, this is Michael Caller. Oh, how are you doing, Michael? How are we doing? I'm good. Um, I was, yeah, good. I was calling, good. listening. <laughs> so I was calling, listening, not to not to even take us further off in the other direction, but I keep thinking when you're bringing up the um, supremacy clause for the Constitution, or at least the six hour Constitution, and we're having a conversation from before, and not just about Black Wall Street, but um, about um, more specifically, were there any ever any attempts to rebuild that in those communities, um, and how also, also assuming those names, those identities, assuming names such as Black, are um, assuming other terms um, had those ramifications that most of us don't even know about our own history and our past, and how we connect back to Tulsa. So, uh, I want—I mean, not to was asked. You can speak a bit more though on. Here's a here's a part for me that where um, I'm still, and maybe this will carry on until tomorrow, but um, what do you have to say to um, all of those, at least the canon and the black community, but also um, all those that assume other cultures, um, identities such as, same thing with identities such as Chicano, where um, the claim is that in this past, at least the 20th century, when we look at not just Darwinism and look at Ella Baker, but even look for Chicanos, um, like Ruben Salazar and Reyes Terina would say that we assume those names. Um, we assume those names to bring us closer back to our land. Like um Ella Baker would say that they try to use our culture as a way to divide us. Um, and we take this, um, we take up arms we take up arm to bind us back together to the motherland which is why you assume the name of black. Same with Chicano, said that the term Chicano, um, we look at um, those scholars just from, like Ruben Salazar will say that um, uh, Chicano um, gives us, is our identity, our name um, for us that want to say that we are indeed American, but not assuming, um, but in a non-Anglo image. Um, okay. That we're taking that these cultures, not just black, but also Chicano, claim that They're taking up cultural unity and entrepreneurship, and bringing back an enterprise um, by reunifying their cultures back together. Okay, there's a lot you can go on that one, but I was gonna ask you to at least broach that. Yes.
1: Before I answer that, I wanted to recognize um, Michael for a second because before the speech, it came to me who he was. I didn't catch it in the beginning. Michael was a teacher out of San Francisco, and I always applaud Michael because Michael is um, really trying to do something for, the, for these babies. He actually instituted some programs um, at his school out here, and the, the programs were going great and, and had some interference. But one of the most outstanding things that I've seen about Michael is that Michael never gives up. He keep, continues to keep trying. He's actually in his uh, early, early 20s but already got accepted to asked to come to Princeton at one point to teach a studies class, and I can't remember exactly what the studies class was. But for a person who's 26, 25, or somewhere around there to be asked to come to Princeton as a teach, as excuse me, to teach, um, you know, to me really speaks to his abilities um, and mm-hmm. and the way he's trying to give back to the kids. I just always applaud that and and, and appreciate him. For doing that, uh, for doing, doing that thing. Mm-hmm. To answer your question, um, based on law, or let me go back. We are in the military <laughs> occupation. Right. When you are under military occupation, there's a certain, uh, a bunch of rigid guidelines that you have to follow to raise yourself up. Meaning that your people have an ancestral name. You have one choice, to either identify yourself with that ancestral name because that ancestral name is tied to heritage. Black, Chicano, Negro, colored, right, is tied to nothing. You cannot find a place called Chicano land, Negro land. There's not a plot of land on this planet called Chicano land. That's not to strip my, my brothers and sisters uh, from their heritage. It's to say that their heritage is not, is not Chicano. Their heritage is more. They are more. Mm-hmm. They are Asiatic. And, and these things become divisive because you have Chicanos or Mexicans, so-called whatever, they'll look at you and then they'll say that you're not the same because we bought into this structure of, of names mm-hmm. that, is, that are not properly ours. And so you look at you'll go and you'll look at a Chicano and 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 they'll look at a Puerto Rican, which is just the craziest thing. They'll be like, I'm Mexican, I'm Puerto Rican. Identical people. Slightly right, mm-hmm. different in a couple of characteristics. But the law says what the law says. The law says that you have to be a part of a nation. That's the law. That ain't, that's not up to contradiction, I mean, excuse me, a debate, because you are what your mother was without mm-hmm. contradiction. Whatever your mother is, you are. And when you go through all angles of law, the child's um, status at law is always a derivative of the mother. So if the mother was free, the child was free. If the mother was a prisoner, the child was a prisoner. And so you tie yourself back to your mother. So when you go to Chicano, it's only going to go back to a few years to the person who invented it. Now, if they would have said that um, um, Z, which is X, you know X I, which is who you get that's called the Almax or the Z or Zai people. Okay, then they got a heritage that goes back 40,000 years, 50,000, 60,000 mm-hmm. years. That's indigenous and indigenous to the continent, and that's that's a law stat. So <clears throat> we have to be careful because a lot of us get so caught up in this wanting to reattach ourselves to our culture, i.e. African-American, i.e. black movement, you know, um, that... We lose our status in law. There's no such thing as civil rights. You don't see, you don't see Chinese people when they fight, fight for civil rights. They fight for Chinese rights.
2: So, mm-hmm. you see, just one small part further on that one I, I wanna, yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the interesting thing for me, um, and just because my, my, even though my background is just on the more quantitative side, it, specifically, um, just I'm um, already this but. Um, my work is mainly, I teach on mathematics and civil rights, so the meaning and importance of math to the black community and progressing it further. Um, but the interesting thing for me is when we look at these names that um, these cultures really pushed to assume in the late 20th century, it's not just um, that we stripped ourselves of certain rights by choosing black or choosing Chicano, but you look at, you look at the actual canons so you look at um, writings and works for, um, um, I mean, Ministry Information for the Black Panther, for Ella Baker. You see that black was specifically chosen not just to um, bring back some motherland, but also to rid um, our name of um, a specific American, or Anglo identity. And it's the same thing for... The word, the word Chicano, it's not just to distance yourself from the word Mexican-American, but you look to your Hispanic right activist like Salazar will say, Chicano, the only meaning we know it has is mean not Mexico, neither America. It specifically want to be identified in a non-Anglo way. So what my curious on, why why these cultures specifically, um, knowing that we the rights and the, the repercussions for it, um, not only do we try to bring our root ourselves back in our heritage but we chose names that distance us from this land illegally um specifically trying to reflect on uh, being not American.
4: Because you don't, don't know your
2: heritage. You see what I'm saying? When you mm-hmm. don't know
1: when you don't know who you really you are, are, then you grasp the straws. So mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm going to invent something that I think ties me back to my heritage without knowing that I'm really distancing myself. I'm trying to do the right thing, but I don't know, really right. know what the right thing is. I'm just, so I'm going to try it and see what it gets, but we don't realize that we're in such a, a structure of law. Law is specific. It's very, yes. very specific. If you don't understand how specific it is, then you can get caught up and tangled in the web, and that's what's happened to us. I mean, literally. I mean, and, and it's funny how it happens, but when people know, for instance, when, when countries want to get away from the United States and for, from the Anglo-European um, um, military um, encampments and, and um, so on and so forth, when they want to get away from it, what do they do? They nationalize. Right. That's what they do. You look at Argentina, you look at Venezuela, you look at Cuba. All they did was nationalize. Nationalization makes you sovereign. Once you're Mm -hmm. sovereign, no one can tell you what to do who's not a part of your government. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't nationalize if you don't have any land. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't. There's nothing to nationalize. Mm-hmm. So your land is your heritage, and that's why your name has to denote your land. And your land is tied to your inheritance. Key word in there is her, her, him, her, I can't, inheritance. When you tie, and that's why you tie it back to your mother. Whatever your mother is, you are without mm-hmm. contradiction, period. Right. And if any name you give yourself does, deno- does not denote her, then it is void initio in law. Void from the beginning, because it does not exist. And that's uh-huh. what happens with Chicano or any of that stuff. Black, Negro, color is void initio from the beginning, period. They will play the game with you. They'll play the Negro game with you. Don't get it twisted. They will play it. Right. Because all you're doing is paying their bills. So they'll play with you no problem.
2: Okay, right. Well, I know you have to close so, out, I guess the question, the question that I'll linger on and probably pick up tomorrow is that when we look at those people that really took um, the wheel for um, each of these movements, um, we look at the Tokyo Carmichael's, the Ella Baker's, we look at the Bodies Seal and Huey Newton's, we look at the Salazar's, we look at the Cesar um, Chavez, um, we look at the Hannah's. Where did they go wrong that you would go differently with these movements? That's the right thing. We'll move. definitely get into that tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. we
3: definitely can we definitely gonna and, and, and brother Mike, I, I appreciate if you would call back and, and revisit that Thanks. question for us. I'm pretty sure we won't we won't forget it, but we still want you to come back to um ask that question again and we may even start at that very point. Uh, because again, that's kinda like part of the solution part. Right. Because at the party, at the main fact, what we'll do tomorrow, just so you know, um my brother Andre, maybe like about the nine thirty mark we just going to have to cut the information part off because I want to just start working on some solutions that we can try to do from that point. I also want to mention some information that I got about trying to um, um, start, you know, our own credit unions and how important it is for us to start depositing our checks into those credit unions because that gives us the capital to underwrite some of these loans. So, you know, we need to talk about things of that nature as well. But, brother, again, um, I thank you. I'm sure Tammy feels the same way. We've been working on this show for probably like three months based on our schedules and stuff like that, but we finally hashed it in, and we want everybody to be sure to tune in tomorrow to the um, Butterfly Evolution show, the Anthony and Fly show. Uh, We thank you for being patient with us in the sense that we didn't take the normal amount of calls that we normally do, but to me it's more important about the information and, again, lastly, about the solution that we'll talk about more tomorrow. So, Hotel Brother, And, Tammy, good evening.
0: I just want to ask everybody that's still listening on with us, uh, particularly if you have Facebook, share the the event for tomorrow. Um, You can get it off of my page or Anthony's or Andre's. So if you don't mind, share it on your timeline as well. Invite people to tune in tomorrow.
1: Please.
0: Yeah, please do.
3: All
1: right, we'll end it there. All
0: right, we'll we'll see everybody
3: tomorrow. Y'all have a great evening.
0: Thanks, everyone. Peace.
4: 18 plus.